But I don't know. I mean, there's just so much content to watch these days. Everyone's kind of vying for your attention. And I kind of prefer to just consume things on my own schedule, which is why I like quarantine comics. We get to indulge in weird stuff, go off the beaten path. I need my trusted brands, Ryan. I need my IP. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want like the weird backroom shit where they put arsenic in your comic book and rot your brain. Comic books where the pages have LSD laced in them. I swear that was an Alan Moore idea. He did the next best thing. He did 3D with uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. talk about Zuo Ma's Night Bus. Ma is a Chinese cartoonist, and Night Bus is a collection of his autobiographical or semi-autobiographical strips published between 2009 and 2013. Now, we've read a lot of autobiographical comics on Quarantine Comics from creators like Alison Bechdel, Chester Brown, Durf Bacter, but no one tells the story of their life quite like Zuo Ma. That is true. Roman, tell me about something that happened in your life. I went to China with my in-laws wearing my Fantastic Four t-shirt and later found out that was a bad idea. So imagine if Roman went to China with his in-laws and then they all turned into wild lions that you started to ride somehow through the savannas of Africa, even though you were in China. That, that's essentially the vibe that Zuo Ma is giving you in his comics. He captures the emotion of something that happened in the past, but then he twists the actual events into something strange, weird, and dreamlike. I'm Robin Seckle. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two guys staring into the past, waiting for the aliens to land. That'll make sense after this episode. Well, well let's hope. <laughs> so, Robin, was this was this too weird for you? I don't know, because, no, I, I'm not going to take the bait. You kind of conditioned me to expect weird uh, <laughs> with everything you made me read. And I was genuinely excited to read an author by a Chinese creator, right? And because while we've read many Chinese-American creators, and we've read tons of manga by Japanese creators, we've not read anything by a Chinese creator. So I was really looking forward to this. And it's not that it was weird. It was uncomfortable. And I want to unpack that statement really quick. Um, I have traveled all over Southeast Asia. I briefly lived there. And I have traveled to China twice and not just the big cities. I've spent time on a lot of small mountain towns on the coast. I've been far inland to Kunming. And the thing about China for me was it's familiar, but just a little bit off. And I'm not saying... The Chinese are off. I'm just saying it's familiar to my Western sensibilities, but something's off. This fully developed, rapidly growing society, but something just feels off and a little uncomfortable to me. And because as I was reading this, that was the feeling this evoked. Hmm. It, so never mind the weird shit, but it was just like, huh, this is real. It's a little off. And there were literally things that reminded me of my last trip to China. So, and honestly, some of my personal dreams I have of being back in China. Do you have like an example, something that you remember seeing where you're like, huh, that's familiar, but also kind of not familiar? Yeah. So, you know, the bookend stories, walking, man, th- those really hit home. And I, at first I thought when I read the second, the, the final concluding uh, chapter in this anthology, 
uh, I was like, oh, it's a continuation of the story. And I only let me just, it was just his re- Let yeah. me just set this up Please. for our audience. So Walking Alone is the first story in, uh, in Night Bus. And it's about a guy who goes back to his senile grandma's house. And the countryside is changing. It's being industrialized. And the last story in Night Bus is called A Walk. And it's essentially the same story as Walking Alone, the first story, but different. He changes things up a little bit. So that's the, that's the scenario. Those are the two stories that we're, that we're talking about now. Yeah. And so uh, my last trip to China, which would have been 2012, 2013, we went back to my father-in-law's village in southern Guangzhou and uh, walking around the village with him and him pointing out what was the same and what was different, going to see my wife's great-grandfather's grave in a marsh that was no longer there, but it was one of those raised marshes. It's just... I, I can't quite place it, but like so many of the details felt very yeah. real of the walking around, riding the bus around China, because we did a bus tour of Kunming, stopping in many towns and many villages along the way, literally not to go visit, but literally to stop and go to the bathroom and have a 30 minute break. So obviously I just go wandering by myself. It, it Just uh, the industrialization and the we're changing everything. Everyone moves into a high rise. That was what was kind of happening back in the village where my father-in-law lived. So I, um, that's so weird because that's literally, yeah, yeah, that's literally a lot of what you mentioned is literally what's happening in walking alone and a walk. He sees yeah. high rises being built in the background. He's like, that's where everyone's moving to. The this thing you mentioned about the graveyards in the marsh. I mean, there are scenes where he's remembering as a kid, he's just kind of sitting on a gravestone. He doesn't know it's a gravestone. He just thinks it's something to sit on. And someone says, hey, get off the grave. Well, it's, um, not a stone. it's not a gravestone. It's a pot. It's a mound. Oh, it's a you're right. Mound. It's a mound. Right. But there's a bridge that's made out of somebody's gravestone in the last book. And yeah. so it's this this revisitation of China. Um, again, in the middle stories, including Night Bus, the one about the dog are just kind of weird. But by that point, I was really inured to his like perspective and kind of just reveling in it, reveling in the kind yeah. of weird dream this book felt like even though it's not it's semi-autobiographical these are his recollections of his life and his observations yeah i i think that's what about book, you I've, yeah it's a really powerful book to me even though i didn't understand always what the hell was going on <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a moment by moment basis but i think that's okay because there's always this underlying emotion that feels very real and just kind of so Going back to walking alone and a walk, right? Those that that feeling, you know, you said it felt alien, and it feels alien to him too because he sees things changing for some reason, and he doesn't always know why. He goes back home and he sees these new structures, and he's like, "Oh, is is the town expanding?" No, in fact, the town's being torn down. People are just building these new structures because they hope that they'll get more compensation from the government because these new structures will make their house seem more valuable. There are these sequences where people ask him about the construction and how far it's going to extend because even though he was born and raised in that town, everyone thinks that he's an outsider coming in to survey the land, to map out what is going to be torn down and what's not. And then, of course, at the very end, in, in a walk, it ends with these big, dark apartment complexes being erected in the countryside. And he literally describes them as alien spaceships. It's like alien spaceships have landed on on Earth. So even for Zuoma, you know, in going back to the countryside where he was from, he recognizes less and less of it and feels more alienated from it. And that's 
undercut by, especially with the last story, A Walk, um, with memories of him as a boy kind of playing in the streams, catching beetles and butterflies. And so there's a sadness to it also because he remembers how the place had been and how, and he sees how it's changing and how it's changing is sort of incomprehensible to him. It's sort of like a land that he, where he's no longer, it's like a home that no longer is a home. And and I feel like these two stories are just such, even though it's the same story, one is a revision. There's these perfect bookends for, I think the broader theme, which is this insider outsider kind of familiar but uncomfortably unfamiliarness like every story just kind of permeates with that and to your point it's like it reads realistic you know yeah the art's fine but it's just like these are snippets of life in china and again i don't know if i'm projecting upon this my own you can't help but do it it's kind of like when you i hate to say this when you Uh, watch a harry potter movie and then you go read the book you can't help but picture those characters so when i was reading this book i was picturing my own experiences in china if that makes sense i have to ask ryan uh, just to take us off tangent have you been to china and what have been your experiences with it if so i i haven't been to china my mom's been to china though she went there as an adult you know as she was born uh and raised in in hong kong so she's never really called china home and her you know, when she went to China, it was just definitely like a big cultural gap for her. I mean, she's pretty mm-hmm. thoroughly Americanized. My dad was never from China. My dad, mm-hmm. I think he liked China because he just goes around wearing his khakis and not talking. <laughs> and he just blends right in. He told me he liked that. So Night Bus worked on me at a different level in in that, of course, it didn't recall any of my own personal experiences. But I was fascinated by how Zuoma, you know, took biographical elements, sometimes mm-hmm. elements that were very grounded in reality, and twisted them a little bit. And, you know, you get a sense of that in the first story, Walking Alone. It's sort of this guy going back, but then like a crab will start talking to him. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, okay, that's weird. And then he has this very strange dream sequence. And then the dreamscape stuff elevates. And actually, my favorite one was Nunu, the evil hound. And of course, it was. It was, it which was, is about was, his actual dog. Which is about his actual is, dog. Right. So it's just. But what I liked about it, as you know, Nunu is yeah is a pet that he once had, and he's kind of writing Nunu's story. But Nunu is very misanthropic, and goes around and has adventures of her own. And you also get a sense of how much he loved her. You know, as a boy growing up, how how much he loved that dog and and how he wants to honor her in this comic that both kind of acknowledges how evil she is, but also, you know, you can feel the love he has for her and how much he misses her now that she's now that she's gone. And Nunu also appears in, you know, probably the longest story in Night Bus, with the titular story. Right. There is sort of like this giant dragon creature that shows up towards the end of the short story night bus and her name is Nunu. And there's this moment where Nunu, for whatever reason, you know, she's fine for one at one moment. And then suddenly she just goes on a rampage and I can see that reflected in the way he thinks of Nunu, his dog, you know, so you see the autobiographical elements come into these stories and it's a lot of fun the way he turns them on his head. Well, I want to ask, like, you know, eventually in most of his stories, I think with the exception of the first and last and maybe some of the other short stories, 
there is this kind of like surrealist hard left or hard right that he chooses to take and to kind of dive in like is it obviously he didn't experience those things but are they meant to be symbolic or of something or is he just kind of like taking the piss you know i think what's going on what's your thought yeah i mean yeah because i i i definitely there are certain elements of symbolism that I, I honestly couldn't unpack. And I, I would say that they're symbols because they keep repeating. Mm-hmm. For instance, mm-hmm. the beetles mm-hmm. keep showing up, mm-hmm. the insects, the fascination with insects keep showing up, the image of the boy catching butterflies with his net, that that shows up over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of symbology there. What this stuff symbolizes, <laughs> hard to say. You know, maybe it's, it, it doesn't even symbolize anything explicit when walking alone or walking we see his recollection as a boy fishing in the lakes catching bugs with a butterfly net so maybe it's just sort of like something that encapsulates childhood for him and so that it keeps it keeps repeating whenever he wants to signify childhood or a sense of nostalgia and so he brings up this image of the butterfly of the boy catching the butterfly insects cocoons um you know, there's 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 this in in Nightbus. There's a spaceship that looks like a cocoon. Why does it look like a cocoon? I have no idea. But maybe it's just a form that he was fascinated by as a kid, a form that seems strange and alien and organic to him because it is. And so he decided to reappropriate that form when he decided to just draw an alien spaceship in uh, in Nightbus. It's sort of like. It's sort of like taking all of your memories and jumbling them together. Well, that's where it felt like a dream, right? Um, yeah, I mentioned, yeah, yeah. I alluded to earlier that I've, you know, we have dreams and I've had vivid dreams of China, like a return trip to China. And it's it's rooted in this like familiar sense of that trip, of that experience. And then some weirdness happens as with any dream, right? That's what so so much of this feels like a dreamed jumble of familiar memories, things that are clearly relevant and symbolic to him, to his own experience as a youth, as an adult, kind of grappling with that. And it's not a bad dream. It's a dream I don't understand. No. I think that's that's uh, well, the best way to describe this. Do you not? Me. I mean, I, yeah, if, if I were to say, well, explain what every symbol means, explain exactly what happens from a narrative standpoint, yeah, you'd probably be like, well... I can't really do that. But <laughs> you do understand the emotion that he's getting at or why he's exactly. writing these I, stories. I, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But if anything, what and, and maybe this is me being a little too literalist, but like I genuinely enjoyed the kind of more grounded stories mm. before but actually, you know, in Night Bus, I didn't mind some of the weird stuff like her on the bus and seeing the bugs. I didn't mind some of that because it wasn't a direct interaction, it was just her observation of the world. But the more grounded story. So obviously the two, the bookend walk stories, the parts of night bus interacting with her grandma and even um, the next to last story, the one about fireworks was such a, a dark story about the changing times. Yeah. And I, I guess I was longing for more of those just kind of like, and maybe this is me being a Westerner wanting to revisit China and bask in that unfamiliarity a little bit more versus the, the weird symbolism that he's choosing to show. I didn't well, need it. I was entertained by it, but I just wanted to be in the weird normalcy that is China, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he gives you a little bit of about of that, but for him, he grew up in China. And so probably a lot of the 
weirdness of China is actually quite mundane. You know, you define normalcy by what you grew up surrounded by, and for him, he grew up, grew up surrounded by all of these, all of these things, the the countryside, and then eventually the city. So. He kind of inserts the weirdness by letting his imagination run wild over stuff that seems normal to him, holding mm-hmm. normal things up in a strange light to make them seem alien and obscure. Um, let's talk about Night Bus, because that is the one that probably takes up like literally two thirds of this anthology. It is yeah, the longest yeah. one. What did you think of Night Bus, the short story within the anthology Night Bus? Oh, it's the one thing that's not a short story. It's a full-on graphic novel, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's its own phone book. I had to read it twice, or I should say this. I had to read the second half of it twice because I was reading it late at night, and I was like, okay. And it was really hard to tell how long is this the whole book now? Um, And so I powered through the second half and had to pick it back up the next day and restart it because the first half, here's what I'd say. The first half in the closing bit completely made sense to me. And the middle bit... <laughs> It's just like, you know, I'm going to the second time around, it's like, I'm just going to let go and enjoy it and quit trying to understand what's happening because it starts with a very narrative driven plot about his time with his grandma. And um, it just kind of goes off the rails and and, and it's fine. But when I'm going on this literal arc and you you make a hard left into surrealism, um, I got lost. I literally got lost. But I think that's okay, though. I think I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're expected to. But you I know, it kind of remind me. To get lost, if that makes sense. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Once yeah. I accept, once I accepted getting lost on the second reading of the second half, I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine now. Here we go. So. Yeah. You know, it kind of it, it reminded me a little of the Inkle, and the Inkle exactly. is more yeah. narrative driven for sure. But but in a sense that you just kind of have to let the images and the tone sweep over you because you're right it begins with a woman coming to town and then the and then both the the narrative fractures and the timeline fractures exactly and eventually you kind of realize that this young woman is Zuoma's imagination of his grandmother who at the time is suffering from dementia so the young woman is sort of his grandmother and then you also see the grandmother as an old woman when she's in the throes of her dementia. And so the the adventures of the younger woman is his thoughts on where his grandmother goes when she's no longer like locked in reality. You know, when her dementia takes over and she starts to drift, he envisions her as this younger woman exploring different parts of China and having these strange, surreal encounters, often with himself. And mm. in a way, I think that was kind of touching because, you know, dementia is horrible. It's a horrible fucking mm. thing. And he's trying to to kind of give his grandmother the best path forward. Where she goes when she's in the throes of dementia isn't a dark place. It's this place of light and strangeness and interaction with strange people and strange creatures. But it's never it's never particularly scary. It's the sort of interactions you have when you're traveling around, right? And you meet strangers on the street mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are a little bit odd. And you learn a little bit about them. And then you move on to the next adventure. And that's sort of like what he's trying to give his grandmother. I think another thing that almost prepared or didn't prepare me for Night Bus, and I was looking at the table of contents to really understand it, is you have these kind of three stories before you read Night Bus that are just kind of a day in the life of a person in China. Catboy gets a little weird, but for the most part, it's a pretty literal (laughs) story. But so you, I'm like, okay, a day in the life walking alone a day in the life cat boy with a weird cat surrealist thing 
park people, very day in the life. And so Night Bus opens as a day in the life, and it just kind of suddenly goes off the rails, and it just it really catches you by surprise. And if you're not ready, if you're not bracing for it, I almost wish I could have just read Night Bus, like page one, Night Bus. Just start with Night Bus. The other book, the other stories are fantastic and worth reading, but save them for the end after I'm done with Night Bus. I didn't need the warm-ups. I, I think I should have just... Honestly, like I, I would make that recommendation. Just only read Night Bus, if that makes sense. Start yeah, on page fifty-nine. It was its own graphic novel, and then mm-hmm. the others were like collected separately, and then you know, mm-hmm. drawn in quarterly, kind of put them all together. Because, because I wanted to read it right for this podcast, I made it a point to read it again and develop an appreciation. And it's beautiful. I mean, once the the super weird shit is over the surreal weird shit of like space stations and space houses and the actual night bus are just beautifully rendered. And you're just on this journey and this adventure with it. And um, I genuinely enjoyed it. So, yeah. Um, so, so here's a question. Why do you, cause like sometimes you read these stories that don't make sense and it's just alienating and you don't really, and you just want to kind of put it down and move on. There's something kind of compelling about night bus, even as you're lost in you know the narrative flow like you have no idea what the f is going on there's no real world building you don't really you know it it kind of defies all of the conventions you'd expect from a typical fantasy narrative and yet it's just very very readable and very compelling and well i think because it's drawn in a very familiar pattern and you have a companion you are with the character experiencing the surrealism the whole time that you've already formed an attachment with. Also, in each moment, there are characters who have wants and needs. You know, like when these two brothers are searching for bugs and suddenly this cocoon spaceship shows up and they have to run back to grandmother's house. It, you know, there's this this harkening back to, you know, it feels like an, like an alien invasion science fiction story for a little bit. And so you understand the urgency of like, oh, we got to get back to grandma's and make sure everyone's okay, you know, when the spaceship shows up. But of course, you know, that's not what the story is about. And then the story moves on to a completely different st- storyline where the kids start wandering into this strange labyrinth. And I think maybe because in the moment there's narrative clarity, it's just like how those narrative moments add up. Suddenly you're like, okay, the storylines are not really going to connect. And so you stop looking for connections. The connections that you do make are kind of at the image level. The re- reappearance of right. the beetle, right. for instance, right. or Nunu. And certain characters, like the like the the young girl with the big glasses, and of course she's the same character as the senile grandma with the big glasses. So you have these visual cues that connect things, even if it's not on a story basis. You know, I it is worth talking about the art. I don't know what to say about the art. It's uh, it's not manga. It's, it's not. Art, it has right? it, yeah. It's, it's, it's its own style and sensibility. Well, but, I think it's manga influenced for sure because he he definitely you know he was definitely a fan of manga growing up he seemed I mean he references a manga villain in one of the strips mm, so mm, one can assume mm, that mm. Suoma was a manga fan and so I would imagine that influences his aesthetic and there are certainly like moments that feel like like a traditional manga story like when the when when spaceships come out and and dragons but, come but out this- of the pond this is going to sound weird and I feel weird saying this. So manga has manga is such a broad medium, right? It's literally just saying the word comic book, Japanese comic book. It can be many things. Right. But there are some 
sequential art sensibilities that you feel when you read manga. You know manga when you're reading it. I think we can both say that having read several cross-genre stories. And the only things that felt manga was it was a black and white Asian comic to me. Literally the drawing style or the panel layout it didn't feel American. It didn't feel Japanese. And to be clear, I haven't dived into Chinese comics the way we have Japanese comics or British comics. If anything, some of it felt more like Luther Arkwright. Maybe it's maybe it's mm. the, like the pencil work, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So, you know what I think it is, though? What we're reading is basically the equivalent of a Chinese indie cartoonist, right? Sort of like in the same vein as like Chester Brown, in the same vein as Brian Talbot, who did Luther Arkwright. People who are not necessarily polished creators whose influences you can kind of see very clearly you know you see the manga influence pretty clearly um but who also are telling deeply personal and odd stories stories that belie their unique sensibilities as artists and creators we read a lot of superhero comics and a lot of them are very slickly produced they're their corporate products this definitely is the complete opposite of such a thing here's what i would say ryan Nightbus it leaves me with a feeling, and I'm not sure how I feel about my feelings about this book. Like, I, I mean, it's the second to last question, Ryan. Would you recommend this comic to someone? Yeah, I would, but conditionally, right? It's sort of like a lot of the other comics we recommend. It's, it's like That's your well, answer to everything, man. I want an absolute yes or no, man. You know what? I just can't do that because I've I've just found like some people, some some people I know, like they just have very unique sensibilities and they want nothing to do with superhero comics, just bored by them. So like for those people, I would say, yeah, you know, Nightbus is just a very odd experience. It's a very dreamlike experience. And it's it's both riveting and it's sad and it makes no narrative sense for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. If you're down with that, that then this is actually a fantastic read. But on the other hand, if you just want like a basic superhero story, you know, look, there's there's tons of other stuff, and this is not this you will not enjoy this. I wouldn't even say if you want a basic superhero story. If you're a comic book reader and you just want a basic linear character story, this is not that. Like some of the stories are their moments, but I think when Zuo Ma shines best is when he makes you familiar like getting a perspective into china and then makes a hard left into the surreal yeah like if but if you're not down for that then yeah this here's might a, not be for here's you. A, if you want to walk through somebody else's dream then pick up yeah. night bus yeah because that's that's basically that's what you're that's basically what you're doing so robin are we staying in china next week or what's going on i kind of think we have to but i think we got to get out of the weird the the weird surreal dream state and just kind of visit childhood in china ryan i, I want to visit childhood i want innocence in china <laughs> i want to read <laughs> i want to read a couple of books comics i picked up for my daughter about china one that i have read to her and one that i don't think she's ready to read and those two comics are my beijing four stories of everyday wonder by ni jun and also little white duck a childhood in china by Na Lu. These are two very different comics by two very different creators, but I kind of picked them up along the way in my own personal discovery of Chinese comics. I probably read them on a blog post at some point and, you know, picked them up used. And one is a beautiful tale of a little girl in the small urban part of Beijing that she lives in. 
And another one is uh, a Chinese immigrant's memories of growing up a little girl in China. I, I think the hypothesis I want to try to understand, not even prove or disprove, is what is Chinese comic creator storytelling? I don't think we know it yet. We spend a lot of time with the Brits, with the Americans, with the Japanese on this podcast. So I want to go a little deeper with the Chinese creator. I am amped. Let's do it, Roman. Let's take the night bus to my Beijing. And bring a little white duck along for the ride. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Jones.